What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another show of the BWR podcast. We get uh, Jim Miller back on the line because he just returned from Unbound Gravel. So we just do a quick chat with him. We talked to him before the event. We kind of want to hear about how it went after. You know, any good stories, any stuff that maybe we didn't see on, you know, whether it's social or any news outlets. And just kind of like, you know, get the overall vibe of how it ended up being. So let's just get right into it and see what Jim has to say. Guys, take it easy. what's going on everyone we're back with another uh podcast for the bwr show and we got jim miller back on here because he was on the ground in kansas in emporia for unbound gravel and we spoke to him prior kind of got like the lay of the land see how it's going obviously unbound's done we know what happened but we want to see what happened there and jim was there so you know what jim let's hear about it how was unbound what did you learn what did you see and what are you going to tell us John, thanks. I, I hope your uh, our audience isn't going to get tired of it, but man, it um, I have <laughs> the so much we took in in the time that we were there. It was, I think, probably the first thing that stands out was there was such great energy around just being out back among our friends and the industry partners at an event and pinning on a number and going doing fun stuff. So. Um, it was great support from the industry, tons of great brands there. Certainly the pro fields on both the men and women's side were just absolutely stacked and they put on a great show all the way around. Um, the town was just opened up, open arms, restaurants were great. All the community support was, um, on in full display and it was just a, a really, really well-run and phenomenal event. And I think whether you finished it and, and did what you came to do or whether you DNF'd because of a crash or a mechanical or otherwise, uh, I think everybody still had a pretty good time. It was, so, it was really, really well done. So speaking on that, so obviously we chatted a few days ago about like, you know, before the event, like what was going to happen, what we thought, you know, who, who we thought was going to win. Now that it's post event, what is, what is your takeaway as far as like, what were you surprised about? You know, what stood out? What kind of like, we're like not expecting whether it was from like who won, how the race happened, like, you know, what, what kind of like changed for you? Um, wow. That's a great question. I, I think that we uh, overlooked a couple of the key competitors, obviously that, that, uh, that did really well. And, and that's not necessarily uh, that's probably our bad in terms of, in terms of the research that we did or who we knew that was even there. Um, that was, you know, it was so impressive to watch how hard these guys can race. We talked to Colin Strickland because he happened to be staying in our front yard in his big 30 foot trailer. Um, so we had a really cool view of one of the, you know, the returning champion and the top competitor. Um, they, he said they did over 300 Watts for the first four hours of the race before it kind of settled in. So if you're going to put that in pro tour context, they talk about a hard race being the, you know, the first hour while the break is established. These guys race that hard for the first four hours of what was a 10 hour ride just for the winners. So that's that, you know, that's just a massive output that these guys were putting, making that first selection. Um, it was interesting too. We, we were able to just kind of leapfrog the race. We couldn't really follow along the race just because it wasn't, wasn't safe to do that. So we'd kind of leapfrog the race, pick them up at a certain part, record what we could and then bounce on. Um, there were some women in that field that, that hung on to that lead group of men till the third stop that we made. And I think that was at about mile 75 or so. 
So I think that speaks to just the strength of the overall field that they were able to hang in and be uh, at, at the front of that group at the speeds that they were going. They came by us at the first checkpoint at mile 26, and we, we picked a particularly rugged part of the course. It was a slightly downhill uh, section for about, I don't know, <clears throat> half a kilometer with all these ruts and gnarly rocks. And they had, to come, they had to come through there at probably 25, almost 30 miles an hour, just absolutely flying. Um, the one, I think the, the, the name that surprises me is, is not so much a, su a surprise, just more of an unfortunate was, um, a lot of people were picking Quinn Simmons and even, uh, Peter Stetna said that he's probably the guy to watch. And Quinn, I think had a really good run and absent the crash, he might've, you know, had a really, uh, impacted the race and been able to make a, a much bigger change in the race. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. Cause I, I literally was thinking Quinn of guys that was going to win or at least be on the podium. I was kind of more thinking back to his Leadville a couple of years ago where he had some mechanicals and he like came from so far back to, you know, very high up finish. I forget exactly what he got, but like, I didn't expect him. I mean, I've done Kansas or, you know, unbound, whatever, you know, now, but like, you know, obviously you can you make mistakes. I, I didn't see him make a mistake like that. Do you know how he crashed or what happened to him exactly? At first we had heard that he it just, it was a bad uh, situation with a wheel, hit a rock, broke the wheel and went down because of that. And, and the first report we got that it was, he broke his leg. Uh, fortunately that turned out to be not true and it was just a bad cut and he got some stitches for it that night. Um, but like I said, he was, he, everybody said they, he was just on peak form and was looking really good and was really primed up for that race. And as we've seen after too, racing on a, on a brand new yet to be released or even discussed by track gravel bike that they're rolling out. Did you get a did you get a look at that bike or anything like a new one like anything special about that? You know, I I'm not keen enough to and savvy to know it was new, but I did read a couple of reports on it after and at the starting line. I did I did see him at the starting line and it's it's got some really cool features. Right now Trek is still tight-lipped on it as even to when they'll release it out. So you got you can expect a big uh production piece from them on that. I'm sure when they're ready to put it out to the public. So question about like he talked about like at the end of the race like uh, how hard it was, you know, they're doing 300 watts. Like I even saw Robin Carpenter say like how hard like that beginning part was. Was it like a, a whittling factor? Were they like pace lining? Were they attacking? Was it just like people like on the front going harder? Like how, how was that, that demo? Uh, I think with yes, yes. And yes. Um, <laughs> they were definitely attacking. Um, I, in talking again with Colin after he just, they said that they just wanted to get to that elite group as fast as they could so that they they were able to then start to just test the fitness of what was going to be ultimately the winning group. Um, but it took them a long time to get to that. The, you know, like I said, the first group came by as a mass of, you know, several hundred riders. And then you jump forward to mile 50 and you're down to probably 60 or so riders. And then by mile, by mile 75 at, at the first checkpoint, um, they were starting to come in, in, in twos and threes. The lead group was then uh, probably about, um 15 they came through little egypt which is a really gnarly section of the course it had a ton of wind and it's this climb that's probably about a kilometer long kilometer and a half maybe 10 12 uh, degrees but just rutted and rocky and they the lead group by then was 10 within 10 miles of that the group was eight and then five 
And then, then you had your select group and you knew where the winner was going to come from. So it, uh, it did, you know, that first 7,500 miles just chopped the field up and, and made it really brutal. I want to, I want to say too, caveat, John, we, we really tried to cover as best we could with the pure gravel coverage. We were doing the women's race, but we're a small crew. We just didn't have the chance to put somebody on them and keep track of them. We were trying to get the updates we could. So unfortunately I don't have the same POV on the women's race, which was, you know, in, in hindsight, as fascinating as the men's race was, um, but we were, we were limited in our ability. We, we really only covered the men's race. What I, what I thought was interesting too, was they did work together. Like they were, you know, rotating through until you couldn't rotate through anymore Then you just got dropped. Um, there was a neutral water section at, or neutral water station at mile 130, I think. And that group of then now um, eight came through together you know, they all took their time. They all stopped and everybody just, they were even, they were even, you know, I, you know, checking, I got chain lube and they were kind of helping each other out and, in that way and then got some water and they said, I'm just going to roll down the street. I'm not leaving. You could hear this communication going on with them. So but a really cool, mutual respect and appreciation for the race. And also to making sure that everybody got, you know, the necessary hydration and stuff like that. Then you flash forward to the second aid station, which is a mile, I don't know, 165, I think, or 170. And, um, Boswell came out of that one hot. Okay. He, he was, they all came in together, but Boswell went out of that hot. He was chased on, on right on his wheel with Stetna and Strickland was struggling a little bit, getting his hydration bag in. And he was kind of on the back foot for a second. And we thought, Oh my, maybe the, the dynamic of the race had changed, but because they got out on an open uh, a city road at that point, I think it was easier for them to regroup. Um, but then by mile, let's see, uh, 185, uh, Stetna had made an attack over the top of these guys, but then soon after that dropped his chain. So he got set back a little bit while he fixed his chain. And then all of a sudden, now it's a group of, of just two. It was just Boswell and 10 dams at that point with Stetna chasing about 25 seconds back. And he just couldn't, couldn't close that gap. The one guy that, that really surprised me, and this is no knock on his abilities, but for crying out loud, the dude was five weeks off from a broken collarbone surgery. Ted King rode an amazing race and was never, at, at never any time that we saw him, was he just sitting in the back. He was in the front driving the pace. The
Sorry, John, are you still there? Yeah, I lost you for a second. Sorry about that. But yeah, no, you're speaking about Ted, like how, how well he did. And like, yeah, I'm shocked. Like, I mean, I love Ted. He's a great guy. I did not see that coming from him, like post collarbone surgery. And, you know, obviously he, he knows what he's doing. He was doing the work, but yeah, dude. Awesome yeah. job for Ted. No, not, no knock on him at all. But man, I don't think anybody was, would have thought that he would have, have uh, just, no doubt he had the fitness, but I just didn't know that he would put himself in a position to be at the front end of that race like that, given, you know, the injury and the potential for crashing that he would have to, to risk further injury like that. So what a post event, you know, obviously everyone coming in, like, what you know, what, what I know I saw you guys out there talking to a lot of people, like what was like the, the general consensus, like, you know, after the race, you know, what were people saying? Like, you know, what was like the after, after comments? Vibe was high. The stoke was big. It was, it was rad. Um, I want to, I do want to talk about the women's race, even though I mentioned we didn't get a chance to cover it. Um, Lauren DeCrescenzo, if, if you know her story, just a few years ago was in a, uh, just a massive and very violent at and in a coma for four or five weeks, I think, and a, and a TV result uh, handily and big, big props to Amity too. Amity, Amity did, in my opinion, what she did in 2019. And that was just keep riding your own race. She kind of let that race come back to her because she was pretty well back, you know, maybe 10th or 11th even, and just stayed steady, rode through any problems that she might've had to finish second and, and really, you know, validate that great result that she had last time, a, a really impressive win for her. Um, Emily Newsom, Whitney Allison, make up your top four, uh, great rides for them. And, and, and I'd say big props to Isabel King too, who, you know, prior to this had never pinned on a number in a bike race. She'd done some triathlons and stuff like that before, uh, but this was her first real bike race. And she notched a, an eighth place finish there, I think, and had a, had just a great ride. So like, how, how was it? Was, uh, did you think it was like a bigger, I mean, obviously like Kansas or, you know, inbound, they have to, uh you know, limit how many people they have there, but just coming at, you know, out of the COVID, you know, you know, no events, like it seemed like there's a lot more people that weren't normally there, like, you know, more outside people like coming into gravel or like, you know, what was that takeaway? Yeah, that's a good question. They're, they seem to have the field size that they would have normally had in any other year. And what, according to Leland Danes, the one of the prior owners, now the uh, tourism director for Emporia, 50% of the field was first timers. So I think that speaks to people coming in, getting a chance and doing something that is, is very, very difficult. Even the, I'm sorry, the hundred mile race here is plenty for most people and incredibly challenging. There were people out there doing the hundred mile uh, race that were, that were out there 10, 12 hours. So it, it you know, they, it, it just speaks to the challenge and the people willing to, and, and the eagerness to get back to doing stuff like this. Did you uh, happen to talk to anyone on that, did the, the 350 mile? um yeah uh um gosh um can't remember his name uh, off the top he was one of the top three or four finishers um gosh i'm so bad i'm so sorry john i can't i can't pull his name off the top they we actually i will say that there was a great story there was a woman who we met at the at that at that, that um the uh, neutral water stop and she was only, I say air quotes, only 75 miles from the finish. And she's like, I'm done. I just can't do it. Um, but she had the biggest smile on her face. She said, I'm going to, I'm going to eagerly sign back up again for next year and go and do it. So 
Um, man, if that doesn't, you know, give you an idea of what the mentality is for cyclists, right? That we can just desire to go out and suffer like that again, <laughs> a following year later, um, a gentleman I rode with on the, on the shuttle bus and at the airport had finished the 352 and he was having a really hard time sitting down and getting back up every time. So, uh, <laughs> no doubt that that, you know, that's a, that's an absolute achievement of a lifetime, I think, just to even, to even complete that. Yeah, once I saw like 23 hours, 24 hours, I'm like, dude, these guys are like hats off to them. That is, I've never ridden a bike. Yeah. I mean, two can't, or Numbdown was the last, the longest thing I ever did, you know, 10 hours or so. And I, I can't imagine doubling that in, you know, two it's, and a half times, basically. It's, that, like, it's longer than, yeah, it's longer than Milan San Remo. Like, it's unbelievable. And then, you, and if you factor in the terrain that they're on all day long, it's never easy. It's never, um, not smooth there there's only what about 10 15 miles that are on city roads the rest of it's on this gnarly flint hills gravel roads out there no that's, that's yeah hats off to everyone um all right so before we wrap this up i mean you know obviously we're looking forward to bwr coming up in july can't wait um anything that you know maybe you want to touch on that maybe people didn't see out there or, you know just kind of closing thoughts on that they are all primed for coming to San Diego, John. All the top uh, top guys and gals I talk to are all keen on coming to San Diego and joining us for BWR. So I think we can we can expect as stacked of a field there as uh, we saw in uh, Kansas, if not more. And um, can't wait because, as you know, with gravel, the one of the really pure, beautiful things about gravel races is everyone's different. Everyone is the terrain is different, the roads are different, the rules are different. Um, I don't think we're going to see any any aero comfort bars out there, nor should we. Um, I think we're going to see a much different bike and tire choice. And I know for sure that people are gunning for that title and um, that we can expect the, you know, the, uh, the same, if not more fun vibe energy and, and pump to, to, you know, be associated with the San Diego event and see some just world-class competition on both the men's and women's side. No, I'm looking forward to it. And I mean, obviously, like, I'm just stoked the events are back. You know, everyone's happy. Like, it just, we're in, we're in a good spot right now. Um, for sure. But all right, well, I'm sure. not going to take up too much more of your time because obviously we're going to do a lot more of these coming up. BWR is approaching fast. And yeah, you know, good job out there, Jim. Like, you guys crushed it, the whole Pure Gravel crew. Um, yeah, looking looking forward to just, you know, we're, we're back. You know, that's what I'm stoked to say right now. And just, it's so we're awesome. back, baby. Yeah. Hats <laughs> Events off are back. Yeah. Hats <laughs> off to Undown. Lifetime, all of them. Like, they crushed it. Another successful event. And uh, let's let's keep it rolling. So, uh, you know, I appreciate it. I appreciate on here and catching us up. And, you know, you're boots on the ground out there. Happy to do it, John. And uh, looking forward to seeing everybody in San Diego in just, uh, just about five weeks, man. All right. Sounds good, Jim. We'll, we're going to catch up soon again. And uh, let's keep it rolling. All right, John. Thanks for having me. Take it easy. Bye-bye.